Hey there, friends. How's it going? Welcome back to another episode of the Adulthood Revisited Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Kiston. I am so thankful, so grateful that you're here spending your time and energy with me wherever you are in the world, doing whatever it is you may be doing. Really appreciate it. Um, if you haven't already done so, after this episode, if you can do me a huge, huge favor, head to wherever I get your podcast. If you can share, subscribe, leave a rating review, it'll do so much to help the show grow. And again, from the bottom of my heart, much gratitude. I really appreciate it. Super excited to, to bring on our guest for this episode. I've known uh, William Bowles now for two years, is it, in the capacity of a networking group, BNI, who have, uh, I've mentioned that group a few times and had several members here on the show. Um, but super excited. We're going to dive into his sort of his journey to New York City, journey through real estate. He's been uh, thriving as a, a broker here in the city. And now he's uh, in the latest chapter of, of his career, kind of moved upstate, uh, not upstate, but actually to another state. But we'll, we'll dive into all of that. So I'm super excited to introduce to the AR Nation, William Bowles. William, how are you? And welcome to the Adulthood Revisited Podcast. Thank you, sir. I you you think you're grateful. I am grateful to have be having this conversation with you. So so I'll throw it right back at you. Um, yeah, yeah, excited to do this. So just generally speaking, you are. We just talked, to, got into the specifics, itty bitty specifics, a little while right before we hopped on the call. But realtor and licensed real estate broker, depending on which state you're in, um, that's what you've been spending your time the last couple of years uh, doing both here in, in the New York City area, but also in Connecticut. We'll definitely dive into a lot of that. But William, take us back because you weren't doing that the, from the time you were born. Um, your, your journey starts back in Texas. Um, so why don't you take us back to, to you, you went to UT Austin. Um, let us know a little about who William Bowles is and, and where he came from. Yeah, I'll, I'll take you back to East Texas, man. So, so yeah, I, I was uh, born and pretty much raised in a town called Longview, Texas. Um, the only thing Longview is kind of famous for, Matthew McConaughey went to my high school. So that's, that's about as much as you're going to get for, for Longview trivia. But, you know, decent-sized town. I mean, for Texas, it's a small town. I think it's like 60,000 people now. It felt very small when I was growing up. Um, I say, I say mostly raised there because one of the things about my bringing up in childhood and, and quite frankly about who made me who I am today is we moved around a lot. So the first move was I was going into first grade. I moved every single year, at least once a year until eighth grade. Um, and just think about like, take yourself back to like, the stuff you were going through as a kid, right? When you're first, first grade through eighth grade. Um, so I was the new, I was always the new kid. So it made me really shy. It made me, I think a better student because I had less distractions. Um, and it's sort of, you know, honestly, I think some of my work ethic was formed by the moving around. And the older you get, you look back at the, the things that life threw you. And that's one of the positive things from always being the new kid and being really shy and, 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 uh, and moving around a lot. Um, so anyway, that lived in towns like I lived in Waco, Texas. I lived in uh, Kilgore, Texas. I lived and we, we were in Bakersfield, California for a while. If you're wondering why we moved so much, it was not a military family because <laughs> that's everyone's like, oh, your dad must have been in the military. Um, actually, it revolved around my parents uh, 
and their their love-hate relationship with each other. So we were constantly running away or running back to the to to you know my mom and dad being together or separating. So um anyway, that's that's sort of a lot of that. But st- things stabilized, like I said, you know, sort of in eighth grade. That's I think when I that was sort of like version two of William. I started coming out of my shell a little bit more. Um, was more comfortable making friends, all that kind of stuff. It's interesting as I did that and going back to, I think I was a really good student when I was younger, the more that I sort of started having a social life, the, you know, the studies weren't. Your energies were dispersed. (laughs) They were were focused on other things. And then, uh, and then take that to the next level when I did. So, so I, I honestly, in hindsight, I couldn't wait to get out of small town, Texas. I didn't really know it at the time. It's just like something was pulling me. So my version of that was going to the University of Texas at Austin, which was, you know, Austin was a city compared to where I grew up. I'm, I'm so grateful to have lived in Austin for four years and gone there and got my degree, to, degree there. Building even more on focusing other things, though, I was not a good student in college. <laughs> that was not my priority. Um, I got, I ended up getting a, a, a it's that my degree was in RTF radio, television, and film. I'm old enough to where there was still radio in that, uh, in my actual degree. Um, and what I thought I wanted to do was, uh, I thought I wanted to be, um, in video post-production cause that was like a thing in the late eighties. Um, and I, I decided to move to LA. I had some friends who were, who were uh, moving out there and, you know, I had my film degree and actually had a, I guess one of the big first decisions that I made, I had a job offer to stay in Houston, Texas, or to move to Houston, Texas, I should say, uh, do video post-production for corporate videos, which was, again, quite a thing in the late 80s, Um, or, which was safe, that was safe, stay in Texas, stay near family, Um, you have the job already lined up, you know, you know, the cost of living in Houston, Texas was, was not that much at the time. That was the safe bet. Then the risk was moving to LA with friends, didn't have a job, didn't have a place to live. Um, I look back at, at, gosh, how old was I? I don't know. I was 21. I look back at 21 year old William and cannot believe that he took the risky move and went to LA, but I did. Um, I think it was one of the best decisions of my life. Um, Opened my eyes to the world a little bit more, getting outside of Texas, you know, getting outside of the comfort zone of family and all that kind of stuff. was in LA for four years, um, putting my degree to use, which was nice. I actually went to work for um, a company and I was doing video editing. It was basically a company that licensed film clips for TV shows and movies and, and whatever you would use film clips for um, and video clips. So did that for four years, had just a great time living in LA. Um, Similar to the decision that I made to move to LA, I made a very similar decision when on, a, on kind of a whim, I moved to New York. Um, my best friend at the time and roommate at the time, we went and visited New York. I'd never been, had an amazing time. Um, one of those like weekends where, I don't know, I probably slept like a cumulative four hours and just like did everything that you would do as a 20 something, your first time in New York. And um, we were joking on the plane ride back to LA. Hey, we should, haha, we should move to New York. That'd be fine. And that was the seed of something that over a six month time became a serious thing. And so just like I moved to LA without a job or a place to live, I moved to New York without a job or a place to live. And, uh, and hey, it worked out. Um, that was almost 30 years ago. Um, and 
how am I doing so far with the storytelling? Very good. There's a lot to unpack there. There is a treasure trove. I'll keep going and you can unpack later if you want, if that's the way you'd like to roll. So I got a very similar job once I got to New York. Um, And just like some of these things, because I am a 54-year-old man. So some of my references fall flat with your audience, I'm sure. But I found my job from the New York Times, like a job posting in the New York Times, the print version of the New York Times. I found my apartment from the print version of the New York Times. You know, it was, it was things were a little bit different then, but things fell into place pretty quickly. Um, again, you, a similar job that I had, uh, at still sort of using my degree, um, f- sort of fell into a really good opportunity. It was a company that ended up um, acquiring other companies and going public and all this kind of stuff. And, and what it allowed me to do was sort of start to be in a financial situation where I could take a little bit more risk, um, which takes me to being able to move into a completely commission-only business of real estate. Um, along the way, by the way, I met my husband and um, I kind of left out the part about how I was in the closet and then came out of the closet. And you, you can unpack that too, if you want, if it's relevant for anybody, but um, yeah, uh, gosh, 16, 16 years ago, decided to make the move to real estate. It was really, it's funny as I sit here and describe it, these things sound like um, knee jerk, sort of like, Oh, let me go try that. It was actually from a young age, for whatever reason, I was fairly in tune with my intuition, I think, on, on, and, and as, as it related to big decision making, and grateful for that. And so, um, literally had a light bulb moment in um, one of our good friends' um, kitchen. He was telling his, he was a real estate agent and was telling his story of how he got into real estate. I sort of had one of those alignment things like, I could do that. I can take care of people. I can sell, like, kind of thing, right? And, and, and that's kind of how the real estate thing happened. So, so that's it. I mean, I mean, I've been, I've been helping folks with real estate, like I say, for 16 years. Um, my COVID moment about a year ago when things got really quiet with my business and I could have the space to sort of think about what's next, where do I want to be, all those kind of things. Um, it became very clear to me that the, the, the home that I'm sitting in right now, which is in um, Litchfield County, Connecticut, about an hour and a half outside of the city, it became very clear that this was home and that there would be a way that I could do business here as well. I just had to sort of figure that out. Things again, fell into place very quickly, made some adjustments to the business some expansion of the business. And today I'm able to work both in New York helping clients and up here in Connecticut. Um, and that's what brings us to this conversation, Richard. How's that? <laughs> very good. Um <laughs> First, thank you for sharing because that that was a lot. And and as you were as you were telling your story, I from the outside looking in, there it seems like every so often there are points where points where you had to make a decision, and it's almost as if at, over time you've gotten more comfortable with trusting your gut. I want to go back to your decision yep. to go to L.A. because as you're sharing that, it almost seems like that was probably one of the tougher decisions of, of the one the bigger ones that you've made. How, what was, if, if you can look back in the moment and be in your shoes at that point, what was going on in your mind? I mean, you eventually made the move and it worked mm-hmm. out, but it almost sounded like there was a lot of things wanting to keep you there, right? Family, that's all you've ever known. Like wh- you don't have any plans in place. What was that? I guess, what was the ultimate tipping point to make you say yes to that unknown trip? 
I feel like at the time I didn't know what I didn't know. So I was going in with, with youth and optimism and, and, um, and excitement. Right. I felt like there was something sort of, it was more, it was more of a pull outside of my comfort zone versus a push if that makes sense, there was nothing pushing me out. I had the safety that I need, that that I would need um, to, you know, to stay in Texas and have the things lined up. It was more of like something was pulling me forward, and that's I think that's that's the best way I can articulate these bigger decisions that I made. Um, in hindsight, so in in the moment, that's what it felt like. Um, in the, and I just had trust that things would work out. I was moving out there again with with um, my best friend at the time. We're still very good friends. My best friend at the time. We had lived together in college for the most part for the four years. I felt like there was a safe, I wasn't going out alone. There was like a safety net. And then, and then other very good friends were moving out at the same time. So it was almost like a pack of us were moving out together. So there was definite safety in that. Um, the older that I got in sort of looking back on things and being more introspective, I was also big, and I alluded to it earlier, I was very much in the closet till I was 25 years old. Um, hey, growing up in East Texas, especially you know, back in the eighties and the nineties. Um, it just not, it wasn't like it was today. Right. And I had a whole confluence of confusion. I was raised Southern Baptist and there were all these things inside of me that just made me want to like really just not deal with that. But I think that was also one of the decisions was getting out of the, I needed to be able to get out of the comfort zone to be able to explore who I really was. Um, so I didn't know that at the time, but that was definitely a driver as I look back on it. Yeah. The, the same thing, I guess, when you got to New York, what, what were the parallels or is the same thinking looking back now, was it the same thought that like, okay, you guys, you visited New York and had a whirlwind yeah. weekend, yeah. probably partying at M15 or wherever it was, but like, what what drew you to then say, because it's one thing to, to say something, it's one thing to have a thought, but yeah. then actually take the action behind it, right? That That requires a lot. So what were the parallels and maybe the differences between that decision to move to LA versus a couple of years later to move to New York? Yeah, there was still that youthful optimism, like a big part of it, right? Cause I was still in my twenties at the time. Um, I also was in, I had been at the same job in LA for four years. I had really outgrown it. Um, and again, hindsight's 2020, I really had outgrown it. Like I should have left like a couple of years before I had sort of tried to look for another job. The, I, I had a, um, I had a very loving and caring bo female boss who at the time was trying really hard to be my mom. And, and I was also feeling a little smothered by all of it, to be honest. So, um, that, I think that that was one of the things that sort of, I needed to get away from as well. It was a little bit of a dis, God love her. Hope she doesn't listen to this podcast. It was a little bit of a dysfunctional relationship that I needed to get out of um, and growth and let, I, I needed to get out and sort of spread my wings. So, so I guess my version of that was go to the complete opposite end of the country. Right. Um, but I'll tell you there, as I articulate this to you right now, there were some parallels there from when I left Texas needed to getting away from the, the sort of like, I felt like I was being confined there, there was there was a version of that for LA. I also think anyone who's ever lived in LA, I think it didn't grow up there, it can feel very transitory. And you feel like that you're, it can feel like that you're, you have an expiration date with your, with your, with your time there. I felt that way. 
I felt that way much stronger, like once I left, right? And because you're, I was able to look back on it. For some reason, the East Coast really, and New York and this whole area up here really felt like home for me much more than LA ever did. Some of that, some of that, you know, with, with age comes wisdom and all that kind of stuff as well. But um, yeah, I hope I'm answering the question. I'm just kind of giving you what's coming up for me. No, it's very cool. I mean, I, again, as people share, as you're sharing your story, I just like, I'm, I'm envisioning like these stops along the way. Yeah. And then it seemed like the decision-making with each one of them, there were definitely parallels and like, I, I don't know where, what was changing or what was, you know, whether it's priorities or whether it's just like your view of the world. So it's, it's just interesting to see like when you were 21, moved to LA was almost like, like you said, based entirely on youthful optimism and trying and like what else is out there in the world then yeah. but you're in the west coast la big city new york it's just like what else is out there and then get into talk a little about real estate because you're in new york for a while you're working i think you said in in um visual licensing was it yeah yeah, yeah. i worked for a company that ended up being getty images if, if if that tells you anything but they they yeah we licensed photographs um, and film clips for advertising and editorial use. So I really mastered that business. That's where I learned how to sell. I was very resistant to become a salesperson. Um, I think, you know, I, I, I had certain, um, there were certain things that I thought went along with being a salesperson. And a lot of that was being like a used car sales guy, right? That kind of, that kind of thing. A lot of people have that, that feeling if they're not in sales. Once, and, my, and another very good friend at the time, we worked together at the same company. I was on the non-sales side. He was on the sales side. He was begging me to go into sales. I was starting to look to leave the company and looking for other opportunities. Because again, I felt like I'd mastered it and, um, and sort of outgrown it in a way. And he's like, I don't understand why you're making this so hard on yourself. Selling's not so bad. I'm a salesperson. Do you think I'm about, like, we had these conversations over and over. And once I finally realized like, Hey, I don't have to be that you use car salesman guy. I'll just be William and I'll like try to help people. And that's the way that I approach sales from the very beginning. That's the way that I approach my business today. That hasn't really changed that much. Once that clicked for me, I embraced sales and I was actually kind of good at it um, because I was, I was really always looking out for the customer. I, I, I never came at it from, I'm going to get this commission. I'm going to get this check, whatever it is that's a nice way to do it and a nice way to pay your bills. But um, I, I am grateful that I approach sales from the other end because that's how you stick around and have a, and have a career in sales. It's really trying to help people, not trying to help yourself first. If, if you can explore, or I guess dive into that a little deeper. And I'm asking this just because I'm always curious when I meet in, in the real estate world, it's, I don't think it's a surprise to anyone who like, on the surface knows a little bit about real estate that the turnover rate is incredible with yeah. respect to agents and, and who come into it to last more than five years. Yeah. So when you started, right, you had, a, you had a coworker friend who invited you said like this, you would do well with this. Did you, what, did you go in with like your foot half out the door and have like an exit plan? Cause you said, or suggested it at the time, you were also looking for another job or looking to get out of out of the um, where you were at the time with Getty. Yeah. yeah. Um, how, how was that transition? Because again, I, I this is maybe just me speak with my experience with people. A lot of people tend to use real estate as simply like that side hustle, other yeah. vehicle, and do it yeah. half heartedly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, 
let me back up a little bit because maybe I wasn't clear on something. My friend who taught me into being sales was taught me into being sales at that old company. So, right. So that's when I made the move into sales. And so I was in sales at that old company for gosh, six, seven years before I had the conversation with the guy who, my friend who was the real estate agent. So, so, but then to answer your question about sort of like doing it as a side hustle, right. Backup plan, whatever. I went into real estate with a full plan that this was my career. I had no backup plan. I was leaving the comfort and safety again of this. Of, I had a pretty cushy gig at the, at the, at my old company. Um, and so leaving all of that, failure was not an option. And, and, and I, I've had this conversation with people that, that, that you know, I, I speak to a lot of people who want to get into real estate. They want to know my story because I've been around a long time and relatively successful at it. I just have my blinders on and I just didn't, I didn't know any other way to do it. Um, for some of the reasons I've alluded to with sort of my backstory, I always had a really good work ethic. Um, and I just, I just, because I didn't have a safety net or backup plan, I just had to get out and, and, and make it work. Right. So it's sort of, it's a lot of that like stuff that you'll see, you know, it's, it's the grid, it's the hustle, it's all of that. I just didn't like whatever, however you want to package it, I had to make it work. <laughs> so, um, and, and that took that, that feeling and that sort of like, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to make this work. That got me through at least the first 10 years of the business. Um, and, and to your point, I think, what is it? 75% of people aren't, don't stay in the business for the first past the first five years or something. Um, I just never, I never even like thought, Oh, I'm in that group. I just, I was like, I got to make this work. <laughs> That's it's only because like that, that peak my interest, you not that you felt this way, but you, you kind of experienced that you can't make it fail for 10 years. That's a long time to, to make it, to feel like. Well, it was, it was, so I think there's a lot wrapped up in there. Well, first of all, I think what I'm trying to describe is mindset. I had this, I had this really positive mindset about it. I didn't allow the negativity to get in there. Right. It's like, yeah, there were setbacks with, with, with deals that fell through and tough markets and all sorts of things. But the, but the macro I go back to, and I didn't even know what to call it at the time, but it's like, I had this really like, you know, um, positive mindset to sort of plow through it. The, the, the way that I described sort of having that the first 10 years, it was, it was just go as hard as you can, William. If it, if that seven days a week, which it was by the way, until I finally had to be like, Whoa, I got to have a day off. This is, I'm going to get burnt out and then I'm not going to be able to take care of clients and this, this whole, you know? So, but at about the 10 year mark, I sort of started looking at it. Okay. I have built this business. I don't have much of a personal life. So now, and so then I started to focus a little bit more on work-life balance and, you know, trying to scale up a team and hiring and, and delegating more and all those things. That was like the next phase of it. So um, I hope I'm clarifying a little bit with that. Just like it was, it was a, it was a bit of a grind, but a grind that I enjoyed for as long as I could enjoy it. <laughs> and then I had to pivot the business a little bit. Right. If I can ask, if we can cut it right there, your life after, let's say, 10 years of like, you find you, you got your business in a great place where you can maybe scale back. So let's call that point of successful business. Looking back from that point, your life in Texas, moving to LA, moving to New York, 
are there points in which you might do things differently or, and it's, it's a hard question. It's just like, cause your life is where your life is as a result of your choices. But if, if at any point in that, whether it's like moving the, the work you did or grinding with pigheaded discipline for 10 years, would there be any points where looking back, you might think William would, would you know, do this I, I am, I am happy to say I have very few regrets in life and it's, it's the gosh, honest truth. Right. Um, I, I think if, if there's a, if there's a room for improvement on, on decisions that I made and when I made them, I've had the tendency to stay in something a little longer than I needed to. And I should have launched earlier. Right. So I would, I would liken that to, you know, the move into real estate. I, I was ready for that a couple of years prior. I should have done it a couple of years prior. Right. In hindsight, I think, I think a similar thing I changed. Um, and this may not sound like a, a big move, but I, I was with the same company for gosh, 50, over 15 years or around 15 years. I should have left that company for the company that I'm with a couple of years earlier than that. I was a little too comfortable, right? And again, these are the things that I know in hindsight. At the time, I felt like I was in the flow and I was doing all my things or whatever. But, but overlaying it with other things that were either going on in my life or maybe the marketplace or whatever it is, I wish I would have not been so tentative. That being, and so I take that today back to, because um, I have a, um, I'm very happy to have a two and a half year meditation practice and I'm really doing lots of, you know, introspection and all sorts of stuff. I'm much more in tune with my intuition and decision-making than I've ever been in my life. So I think a big decision that I have, which I, I, I it was a pretty big decision to get licensed in Connecticut, split my time, move, move up here full time, right? Um, split the business into, into into two different pieces. I made that decision pretty quickly. It felt right. Um, and so I think I've corrected, uh, like, so I answered your question, but I think moving forward, I'm able to make those decisions quicker using my intuition. But the, the, the fundamentals are all still there. When, whenever I make a decision, it's always something's pulling me forward versus me being pushed out of something. And I think, I think if folks that are listening to this, if that resonates with you at all, if something's pulling you somewhere that you, there is a signal and a sign that you need to listen to because it's probably going to pull you somewhere better than you are, whatever that is. Yeah. How do you deal with, cause built into that there's, and you've mentioned it a couple of times with, with each one of those discrete decisions, like navigating a zone of uncomfortability or going, going beyond your comfort zone, whether it's <laughs> being pulled right. or you're being pushed. Right. How, how do you think you've managed to, I don't want to say endure, but like thrive in uncomfortability. Cause each one of those decisions that you laid out, there was built into it. Lots of unknowns, lots of uncertainty. Um, how, how do you think other than saying like, I, I, couldn't make it fail, right? right. That, that's maybe one way you dealt with it. Um, how else would you say for yourself or maybe anyone listening to when you're in something uncomfortable or unknown, growing above and beyond your comfort zone, how to thrive? So in you're making me think of a of a meme that's out there a lot. Um, it's a Venn diagram, and it's a, I forget what the different bubbles are, but 
the, the point of it is all the good stuff happens outside of your comfort zone. So one of the bubbles is your comfort zone, right? So um, it, it's where the good stuff happens. I mean, how, how, how are you going to grow and, and th- like, you can't be stagnant. It's like, and, and people have um, described it this way too, you're either growing or dying, right? So there's just, there's, <laughs> besides my mindset, because I don't know how else to answer it. It's just, it's, um, it's, it's, if you don't push yourself into that comfort zone, you're not going to grow, you're not, you're not going to live your life to the extent that you need to. And by all means, I am not living my life to its fullest. That's, that's stuff I'm working on every single day, trying to figure that out. But um, take a chance, man. And, and, and don't, 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 don't get stuck in the comfort. It's all I know how to say it. I, I just, the other thing is coming up for right now is like, I think a lot of people have had a lot of time to think about stuff in the past 12 months, right? Again, I described it earlier as things got quiet. Everyone's got their own version of things getting quiet and, and, oh, should I do this? How do I pivot? Um, I think a lot of people are being forced to make changes that maybe they're not comfortable with because of their business, right? Um, the mere fact that you and I are sitting here doing this on Zoom when, a, you know, 18 months ago, we might've been doing it face-to-face in a different, in a different scenario, um, I think, I think being open is a big part of all of this, um, being open to doing things different ways, your life, um, being in a different space. Um, that's a big part of it as well. And it goes back to mindset. I know it sounds a little woo woo and maybe you want something a little more tangible, but it's the only way I know how to answer it. it sounds like Kevin Durant teaching people how to shoot, but okay, <laughs> I'll let you off the hook. Um, I, Maybe a little more practically speaking, if we can talk about real estate, yeah. right? We kind of touched on whatever the stat, I don't know the numbers or figures, but lots of people start off in real estate and very few succeed yeah. over time. So what are the, like, if you can describe along the same lines, right? There's, there are things that you've done that have made you succeed, like practical things. What, what would you say are some of those elements, some of those practices? I mean, you share that like discipline, right? Not making um, you know, failure wasn't failure was removed yeah. as an option, but in terms of like how you see, maybe a little more about what you think in your experience and, and with other agents, other sales, other realtors, what you see them do versus what they ought to do. Like if you were to control for William Bull is in charge of reducing this turnover rate of whatever it is yeah. in, for five years, what are some things that you would have like? people in the real estate profession do differently. Yeah. Than they're doing so now. one of one, I touched on it before, but it's super important to, to restate. You got to be in the business to help others versus just for the commission check, right? No matter how good you are at sales, your clients are going to know whether or not you have, there's a term commission breath, right? Um, and that applies to other, other, all sales, um, not just including real estate. So that, if you don't have that, if you're in it for yourself, your business is going to die because you're not going to get referrals. You're not going to get repeat business. People are going to feel like that you that you didn't have their back, right? Those are the intangibles that if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, then your client's going to snip that out and it's going to hurt your business, right? Um, I think that's I think that's first and foremost is just like is is take a moment and just think what you know 
Why am I really doing this? It took me a long time to be able to tell you what my why is in my business. Um, it's helping people. It really is. I help people get what they want. That happens to be homes and condos and co-ops if it's in the city, but I'm helping them get what they want. And I really have always viewed myself as a consultant in the role. I'm, con- you know, there, there, and and more recently, I've used the word coach a lot more. Um, I'm there to sort of, you know, if, 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 if you're going out and I'm taking you out to look at houses and you've decided you want to get a house, I'm your coach to try to help you get that house, right? No matter what the market conditions are, all of that, because I have the experience to sort of help you with it step by step. So I feel like if you approach it from that perspective, um, I think you've got to, and this has taken me a long time. Being detached from the outcome, that's, that, that's, that's one of the things that I'm really focused on with my spiritual practice right now. And it's taken me a long time to be able to sort of being detached from like when a deal falls apart, all that kind of stuff, because I do love helping people and I do, and, and Hey, I want to be compensated for it. Right. And I I put a lot of, a lot of heart and a lot of effort into it. And it's very disappointing when a deal falls apart for whatever reason. But um, if you if you can master that part of it and just go with the flow and help, 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 and you're doing the right thing for your people. Um, to me, that's how you succeed in the business. To me, that's how you succeed in any business. To be honest, the great thing that, that the great advantage that a real estate agent has is, is you're a, you're a, you run your own business, right? You can decide who you want to be with and if, whether you want to be at this office or have this brand or this business card or whatever, but you're really responsible for running your own business. So there's a, there's a big freedom in that. Um, and, and I find that the more, the longer that I'm at it, I find that the cl- my people find me, right? Um, and, and let me explain that. So, so you and I are, are in a networking group together. You and I are like-minded in a lot of ways. We wouldn't be sitting here and having this conversation if we weren't, um, you, you know, you, you are going to encounter folks in your life and you do that you, that are like-minded with you, you know, that you're going to match them up with me and there's going to be trust there and I'm going to take care of them. Right. That's how I've chosen to build my business. Um, and the more that you do that and you practice that, I find that most of the opportunities that I get for people to help are, are my people, right? Because I'm attracting them. I'm bringing them in because, hey, we communicate the same way. There's a level of trust there, all that kind of stuff. So those are the things that come to mind. I, I know it sounds like basic stuff, but I'll tell you, you know, because almost every deal that I'm involved in, there's, a, there's an agent on the other side. And there are agents that are my people. And man, that is a smooth transaction because there are bumps in the road. Man, there are bumps in the road, especially in this current market with, uh, with all sorts of stuff going on. If you and the agent are in sync, two things. It's going to make everything go smoother. You're, you're keeping your stuff out of it. You're there to do your job. You're being mutually respected. You're taking care of your client, but right, you've, everyone's got the same goal at the end. If one of you is out of sync, and I, and I do encounter agents that I'm out of sync with, um, it's, uh, what do I want to say? They're out there and they're with their people. <laughs> That's actually what I want to say. Um, the, the, the folks that I'm not going to work well with, they're going to go work well with, with someone who's sort of on their wavelength, right? And there is room for all of us. I feel like the way that I approach it is it's certainly what works best for me and my clients, but it's, it's served me well and got and, and allows me to still be in the business thriving, I would say at 16 plus years. Yeah. Is that, is that, does, does that explain it? 
It, it does. It does. <laughs> if you like how I'm doing these check-ins with you, like, is that okay? <laughs> I'm also a people pleaser, which helps a lot in sales. Let me just say that. <laughs> which, which kind of touches on, on where, what I, where I was going. Um, I know I would assume that in real estate, there are lots of, I mean, like, like you shared, there might be bumps in the road, troubles, yes. like getting disconnected from the no or a deal falling through. But I want to, I want to focus on like the events or, or experiences that compose like why you spend so much time and energy doing this, right? Because of all the stuff you could be doing in the world, you spent, as you shared the last 16 years, helping people find mm-hmm. their homes. Can you point to like, maybe some events that from time to time you go back to and say, like, this is why I do what I do. Like, sure. You want to help people. You want to make money doing it, but why stick with real estate? Like I I know for me, and I bring this up because there are times where it's, yeah, there's a lot of nonsense that I deal with, right. Just like any other job. But I, sometimes I go back to like discrete experiences with my clients and I say, you know what, this is why I help them when they were on the, on the brink of like doing something very dangerous to themselves, that was when I helped them turn their lives around. So do you, do you have certain memories or recollections where you look back and you know, this is why I, I love and I do what I do? You know, I, I think the best way for me to answer that is a, a really good portion of my business. This, and this is not a BS answer. I hope you don't think of it that way. A big part of my business is helping first-time buyers, and it's their—it's their the excitement that they have. Their life, their lives are coming together. A lot of times, they're either engaged or they're newly married, or there's a baby coming, or they're thinking about it. Um, I feel like what I'm doing is such a big part of their life, an important step in their building their lives together and their family. Um, so you know, those are some of the smallest transactions that I do money-wise and payoff-wise. But here, and I'm tapping on my heart, like the, the it's the biggest payoff for me on in, in that way because I feel like I'm really, really adding something. Um, and so, you know, and, and then I think about it and, hey, there's another transaction I'm working on right now. It's going to be one of the biggest transactions I've done in the past few years. Those folks have bought and sold before they're at a, they're at a place in their life where they have the bounty to sort of expand to another home and a larger home and a larger home that they thought they were going to buy. I I get the same internal reward for that. My check's going to be bigger, but it's also, I get the same internal reward for that because I, I, it's not like I'm selling them something. I'm I'm, I'm a, I'm an integral part of, of, of helping them grow and expand. And you know what? In both of those examples I just gave you, they're getting out of their comfort zones too in a lot of different ways. So it all kind of, I keep, I know I keep going back to the intangibles, but that's kind of where my headspace is at <laughs> these days a lot. But um, I, I, you know, I'm hopeful that that's helping people also. I'm describing in different ways, I think what makes me good at my job and, and what makes me be able to drive in the business that I'm in. And there's a lot of intangibles there. There just are. Yeah. Now, you, you shared that in the last year, you had like a COVID moment and you reflected on the life and made some, some pretty big changes in your business, your lifestyle, um, getting a license, license in Connecticut, moving Connecticut, and then splitting your time part, part there and part in the city. Like how, how 
difficult was it for you? And I, I know you shared that like as you've gotten older and with each decision, you like you're more in tune and aware of where your heart is with what you're doing. You trust that. But like what, especially like moving, like changing a business, those are really gigantic, ginormous things. There's, those aren't small like moon pies, right? So how, how was it for you, that experience of like introducing so much new in your life in this last year, especially in the shadow of, of COVID-19, right? I, I know that there was a lot into it, but like, what was that experience like? Was it just shifting priorities? How did you, I guess what I'm getting is, how did you recognize that it was time for you to, to make these changes in your life? Um, first, I want to say that I have immense gratitude that I had the opportunity to make decisions on my own and make these changes in the past 12 months. It's not lost on me. The pain that people have gone through, I have friends who have lost family members to COVID. Um, and none of that is lost on me. And I try every single day to be grateful to, for the situation that I'm in, that I had, that I could, that when things got quiet and my business screeched to a halt, that I had the opportunity to sit and figure out, okay, what does this mean for me? And what can I do? I, I, I had control of the situation. Right. Um, and a lot of people that, um, um, are not in situations like that. So I want to say that first, there's a little, there's a little ping of guilt and how easy it's been for me for the past 12 months. So I, I needed to say that the, the decisions that I made, um, really came together easily. And I know that that sounds like a cop-out way to answer it, but by me sort of by me sort of trying to piece together how would this work? And, and I'll tell you, me getting licensed up here and joining a team and doing, you know, doing full time, at least half of my business up here started with, let me get licensed up here and let me, and, and, I, and I went and spoke to my friend who's been selling up here for years. And I'm like, I just want to be your shower. I'm going to be up here. I want to be spending time more up here. Why don't you pay me hourly? I don't want to do the business. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do in my life right now. This is literally the conversation I have with this guy. Um, I just want to go do the really menial things and maybe you could just pay me a little bit of money, right? You know, hourly. I'll, let me be your gopher. That's what it started with. And it's interesting you know, so many things in life are lessons. His response was, are you kidding me? Like, why would you want to do it? Like, I'm not going to make you do that. Like he was so dismissive of it. And I was so taken aback. Like, what do you mean? Right. Um, the, the lesson in that for me, it was two things. William, you're on the wrong track. Right? The universe is telling you that. So I heard that, but it also, I think, I think his response then set the wheels in motion. Like, well, wait a minute. I've been thinking of it this way. This is not the way. Let me, let me, let me explore what this other way would look like. And I just kept playing around with it literally in my head because it's easy to forget now, but there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of, I keep going back to the word quiet, right? Because, you know, um, when I say my business screeched to a halt, it's, I mean, there was, there was nothing coming in, deals falling apart. There was, right. We literally couldn't walk in and show apartments for three months. Right. So, um, again, I saw that as a gift for me because it got so quiet that I could figure stuff out. So, um, the decision-making was, it was soul searching. It was trial and error. It was thinking it was going to be one way. And then that sent me in, you know, based on what I, the feedback I was getting from different folks, 
that took me to a different place. Another, another conversation that I had that I'm just thinking of a, a friend of mine um, who used to live in the city, she sells also at a different market up here in Connecticut. And, you know, in a conversation, something that really pierced through and resonated with me. And she's like, she told me her story of how when she left the city, she moved to Westport, Connecticut. Um, she was so excited about being in Westport, Connecticut. She was telling her friends. And then someone was like, you sh- you're really good at like telling this story about living outside of the city. Maybe you should sell real estate. She did it. She's now like top agent in her market. And that resonated. I was like, wait a minute. I love where I live. I tell that story naturally. That made sense to me. So I think you got to pay attention to the signals that are out there for you because they're out there for you. You just got to listen for them. Yeah. I may be setting you up for a home run here, but oh. we talked about like the, the early part uh, in your 20s, you were guided by youthful optimism. Later on, you were guided by... I, 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 I'm putting words in your mouth, but pig-headed discipline to get you to where yeah. you were. What would you say your strong suit or what are you being guided by now as you move forward in life? I mean, it's a lot of the same stuff that I'm talking about with intuition and all of that, right? Um, make it a catchy, a catchphrase. Something- make it a catchphrase? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... I um, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I'm stumped. You stumped me. You stumped me, Richard. I've been like, I've been so uh, able to answer everything. I just, there's just, there's trust, there's openness. Um, there is a, there is a full uh, understanding of wherever I am right now. That is like, um, there's a visualization thing that I do a lot with. Um, it's like every day and there's a, there's, there's a, there's a, a stone path in front of me and every stone is like a step or a day. Right. And I don't know where that's leading me, but I feel really good about the next step. Right. I can't predict where the 10 steps are, but I feel really good about the next step. And that's based on my intuition and all that, that, that step may be 10 more years of real estate. It may be something completely different. I'll tell you my pie in the sky vision for my future. Um, because a, a little over a year ago, I had the opportunity to spend two weeks in Tanzania and Uganda and, and Africa and had a really, really special moment there. Was was very um, affected by the people that I met and the land and the whole thing. And, um, and I have this vision that I am going to live in Africa at some point and do something there in, in, in a charitable way, in a giving way. Um, and that could very well be 20 steps down my path, but the stuff that I'm doing today is going to get me there. It's not what, that's not the answer you wanted, my friend, but it's what I gave you. <laughs> I'm actually going to start doing that visualization, but I'll, <laughs> I'll stamp it wisdom. William's wisdom. How about that? <laughs> No, but well, I think you've been so gracious, so open with your story. It's it's like a lot of fun. And I love seeing one, you thrive in, in, in the time that I've known you, like the work that you do, always consistently a top earner, um, doing so much. And again, you, you like enjoy, I genuinely enjoy your relationships with people and helping people. So I want to, I appreciate you for being, being that way. Um, who, as we're, as we're on here and winding up, who are some good connects? If people hear this and to reach out to you and connect with you, what are some, uh, some good, I guess, connections to be made with William Bowles and some ways that they can connect with you? Sure. Um, 
if you've listened, if you've made it through this and stuck with me the way that I've been trying to describe things, it's like, hey, if if there are people that you think that I could help um, and be sort of in in sync with and in flow with, I would love the introduction. Um, and whether whether or not it it uh, it involves real estate, um, I you know I am I'm licensed uh, with a company called Compass in both New York City and Connecticut. Um, I cover a couple of counties up here in Connecticut. So if if anyone has any questions about um, either of those markets or real estate or you know we've touched a lot on the spiritual stuff, um, that's a big part of my life these days. Um, you know I'm I'm, op- I'm very open to having conversations. I didn't know what you and I were going to talk about today. I just knew we were going to talk. So as you can tell, I like to tell stories a little bit and and happy to connect with others. Yeah. William, thank you so much uh, for your time, for your energy, for sharing your story. Here on the podcast, uh, William Bowles, licensed real estate broker and realtor for Compass here in the New York City, City area, as well as in Connecticut. William, appreciate you sharing your story. So much fun. And as we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts for the AR audience? I just want to thank you, sir, for for um, your help and allowing people to tell their story and being open for that. And the time and the effort that you put into it, you know, the folks that listen to you and the folks that you like me that you sit down and speak to, I want to, I want to give the gratitude right back to you, sir. Um, it's, uh, it's, it, it's admirable. You fulfilled my horoscope. It said that I would receive gratitude in one way or another. There you go. You got it. <laughs> Very well. William Bowles, everyone. Again, I'll link up uh, how you can connect with William uh, in the show notes. And with that, Ornation. until next time, take care, be well. Bye for now.